You are listening to a Give Me Five podcast special episode on Star Wars The Last Jedi. The Last Jedi. This is a Gimme 5 podcast special episode where we discuss Star Wars The Last Jedi. This is the seventh traditional Star Wars film and eighth overall, and of course the third to be released by Disney. I'm here with our usual usual co-hosts, Rob and Jimmy, and as a special guest, we've got Megan Driscoll. Hello, guys. Hello. Hello. Welcome, Megan. Welcome, Megan. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. So, guys, this is a show dedicated to breaking down the new Star Wars film, The Last Jedi. If you haven't seen it yet, then you will be spoiled. I don't know why you're listening to this if you haven't listened to it or watched the movie. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's your thing. But, for example, if you didn't know that Darth Vader is actually Luke and Leia's father. What? What? Mm, sorry. <laughs> or that Greg owns <laughs> – Megan's going to love this part. I did not write it. Or that Greg owns five different Porg items and is actively searching for Porg-themed pajamas, <laughs> then you might want to step away and come back. So, as always, you can reach us on Instagram and Twitter, at GiveMe5Pod. You can reach us through Gmail, GiveMe5Podcast at gmail.com. And please help us out and give us a rating on your uh, podcast provider of choice, whether you use Stitcher, iTunes, CastBox, whatever. It really helps us stand out from the crowd. And remember, that's F-I-V-E, not the number five. Awesome. So I want to introduce our special guest, uh, Megan. She is a 3D production artist and operations at Disney Creative Group. She is also very vocal about her love of Star Wars <laughs> on the uh, on the internet and whatnot. And uh, so when we were coming together to, to decide who to talk to and what to talk about. She was one of the people that we contacted. So first of all, thank you for coming on, Megan. Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Um, I've been with Disney Creative Group for about a year, and I've been a Star Wars fan since I was five (laughs) when I first started watching the movies with my parents. Awesome. Good parenting. Yeah. Strong parenting. Oh, for sure. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) I have yet to introduce introduce the four-year-old to Star Wars, but I think when he hits five, he'll be able to... uh, He's seen, he knows who Darth Vader is, and that's about it. He does like the lightsabers, though. He does. We have way more lightsabers and swords in this house than we probably should. He attacked me with one. <laughs> Yet he not did. quite as many as I do. He actually attacked uh, two years ago. We had some Christmas car- carolers, and <laughs> he actually, cha- he, we, I opened up the door for the Christmas carolers, and he was like, I guess he was three at the time, and he ran out of the house with uh, with Luke Skywalker's lightsaber chasing him down the uh, front walkway. I actually forgot about that until just now. So, you know, good parenting he, for me. That though. is yeah. hilarious. He, he also stabbed me with a balloon sword at the Christmas party. <laughs> wow. He does not sound like a Jedi. Uh, he yeah, might we, be. He might have a little bit of Sith. <laughs> we got to talk about that. Yeah. But anyway, um, I wanted to talk to all of you guys first just to – not to judge level of fandom because everyone likes things at different levels and stuff like that, but just – you know, what does Star Wars mean to each of you guys? So, um, Megan, you already mentioned watching with your family, but what what has Star Wars meant in your life and what are your um, fondest memories? So I remember it was the first movie I ever watched that I wanted to watch again right away. 
Um, mm. And it was also the first movie I ever watched that got me thinking. It was more than just a kid's movie, but I, I don't know. Like, my parents were big sci-fi fans, so um, this was kind of their, like, intro to sci-fi for me. And that turned into, obviously, a lot of excitement when the prequels came out, I believe, I was probably in fifth or sixth grade. So leading up to it, there were comics and I was reading those. After the prequels, I got into the extended universe. So I read a lot of the books. Um, and then after I got out of my parents' house, I wound up going to Celebration and got involved with um, cosplaying and in particular, uh, like cosplaying a lot of the characters that I admired and looked up to. And so who were you? Um, well, I've done, <laughs> I've done two different versions of Mara Jade. Um, I've done like the black awesome. jumpsuit version. Um, I've done the Kotobuyuki, I hope I said that right, uh, statue version. Um, I've done the Leia bikini. I've done, um, uh, a Darth Talon. Um, I've done another Twalik and then, uh, I also have just normal Jedi robes for casual. <laughs> For um, for, yeah, totally. You should see Rob's. Um, uh, you should see Rob's Leia bikini. It's stunning. I'm sure. I'm sure. I've never seen anyone it, it look really terrible is. in one. It really is. Yeah, breath breathtaking. <laughs> um and and yeah. Uh, besides that, um, really excited when the they rebooted the films, and then I got obviously hired a year ago to do um, merchandising. So I've been working on Star Wars merchandising the past year. Um, and obviously just inhaling all of the new content that we've been getting. I've played Battlefront. Um, I played Knights of the Old Republic, uh, pretty much most Star Wars video games, except I'd say probably the last two years just due to time. Um, so yeah, I mean, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're qualified. You've, you're cool. hired. It, it sounds like you, it sounds like you like it. I'm, I'm just going to say, eh. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's a uh, it's probably at least the old trilogy my favorite um movie. And I'm actually in my bedroom right now and I my bedroom's Star Wars themed. So I so I have a nice. ton of Star Wars posters and artwork and accessories everywhere. That's really cool. And it's very cool that you were able to kind of parlay that into a, a part of your job. Yeah. You get to you know, be hands on with some of this stuff and be part of it. So, you know, all the top secret stuff that, that we're not supposed to talk about in here. So yeah. And we, I can't we, really be discuss trying to... some of that stuff, um, yeah, I but, know, I know. but I actually, um, side point before moving forward, um, when I got hired, uh, I do 3d printing, a lot of 3d printing for molding and, and cast injections for products. And, uh, somebody handed me a leg with a boot on it and asked me, Oh, who do you think this belongs to? It was just like a knee down of a boot and it was Ray's boot. And I, I was like, Oh, that's Ray. And then they were like, Oh, okay. And then I started getting all the Star Wars jobs. So, so yeah. it was like a, it was like a that's trivia funny. question kind of. It kind of was. And I guess I passed. So, um, it was kind of funny. That's super cool. Yeah. Someday, someday um, I'm going to randomly show up at your workplace. I'm just letting you know. That. <laughs> Well, well, you have to have a badge to get in like four doors before you can okay. even get to where I work. So I'm quite wily. <laughs> uh, funny, just to add on what you said real quick, um, I have actually been asked in a job interview who shot first. Really? <laughs> and I was like, what, Han? They were like, oh, my God. 
Um, You're hired. Did well? Did they ask like they, like because they didn't know or no? It was at the end of the interview. Like the oh, so do you have any other questions for us? I was like, no, I think I've asked everything I need to. Do you guys have any questions? And the guy just goes, "Who shot first? I said, "Well, Han did." What'd you say? Well, I th- I, I said what? Oh, Han, and they like all cheered and everything. I thought I got the job, but I guess Aww. not. Well, <laughs> you were right. He did technically shoot first in the this original. Wasn't, this edit, wasn't so. when I interviewed you, by the way. Uh, but that should be added into my lineage. <laughs> <ones, but. laughs> it's a good question. Yeah. So and and if you ask it and they go, "What? What are you talking about?" Then they're automatically a no hire. Yeah, even if they have like twenty years of experience and they're really good, but no, <laughs> and they do not hire <laughs> yeah. us. Okay, uh, Jimmy. Speaking, since you know who shot first specifically, what what is your history with Star Wars and what what? Uh, you know, how did it drive you or what brought you here today? Uh, you know, I think I think like a lot of people, um, I it's funny. I, I say, oh, yeah, I'm not the biggest fan in the world, but certainly much more of a fan than the average person, I would say. Um, I, I can't remember the, the first time I saw it. I mean, I was very, very young, probably so young I didn't understand what was going on. I mean, as I can remember, I can remember knowing about Star Wars. I uh, One year, my brother and I got the trilogy on VHS, and it was the biggest gift we'd ever gotten. I didn't want to touch the box. It had, like, Darth Vader, the side of his helmet on the front, and it was this really pretty box. Was it holographic? Because I think we had the same VHS. No, the holographic box. one was the third one. Black, the second one had the giant faces. On it. You probably okay, don't want the giant okay. face. I do. Vader, and then there was the stormtrooper, uh, uh, Yoda, and someone else. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it did not have a hologram. Um, but I remember actually um, Return of the Jedi. Or no, it was actually Empire that I used to watch over and over again. And I watched it so much that the tape broke. <gasps> yeah. You guys remember this? No! Uh, <laughs> But I MacGyvered that shit. I taped it nice. together where the tape broke. Scotch tape. Yep, that, exactly. That shit works. I did that too on several of my VHS yep. cassettes. I felt so bad. Six-year-old bad. MacGyvered a VHS like, and I couldn't figure out how to not have sound effects play over what he was just saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I ruined this amazing video. Um, like Megan, you know, when they kind of picked it back up and like episode one was coming out, my father and I went to the midnight release Aww. and we stood in line and all that good stuff. You know, you, there was no Fandango. Uh, I came home. It was super late, but I was like so jazzed up. So because I loved it at the time. Um, I didn't know any better, <laughs> but <laughs> my mom had actually bought a lightsaber, one of the telescoping oh, ones. Cool. Um and left it on my bed with a note that said, may the force be oh, with you. Oh, that's a good oh. present. That's awesome. <laughs> and I legitimately stayed awake for two or three hours in my bedroom, wielding the lightsaber. <laughs> that's um, awesome. Go to bed. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I've, I've, I've started reading star Wars books. Um, 
when I became really interested in reading, uh, Star Wars was my fantasy gateway as well, my sci-fi fantasy gateway as well. And I think that kind of led to where my tastes are now in games and comics, uh, just media in general. Uh, definitely, definitely would say it impacted my career as a 3D artist now. Um, Megan, I actually just got a 3D printer myself. Ooh, what did you get? Uh, Monoprice MP Mini Delta. Okay. Um, it's fantastic. It's a little tiny thing, but I, I, I have not yet pr- printed the Millennium Falcon because it's an estimated twelve oh, wow. hour. Print. Is it an MJP? Oh. Is it all plastic? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That's awesome. Yes. Okay. And uh, Rob, you're up. All right. Well, um, unlike unlike Megan and probably Jimmy, I don't really have any like long lasting memories that circle around Star Wars. Um, I don't remember head to... wound he got when he was twelve, but no long lasting memories. Yes. Anything yes. beyond that point. <laughs> Nothing beyond that. But um, it, I mean, it, it was one of the movies that really, that, that because it, sci-fi is kind of like one of my niches along with comedy. Um, sci-fi, fantasy, and comedy are like the two things that I watch more than just about anything. So, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I mean, it's it's entirely possible that, that watching that at a young age really kind of helped solidify, um, you know, my tastes and whatnot. But um, the the first three for a long time were were some of my favorite movies. Um, I remember getting the trilogy on VHS like Jimmy as well. Um, and I actually bought them as they came out. I think I've got a copy of the Phantom Menace on VHS somewhere around here with it with a strip from the actual from the actual film, you know the the commemorative strips oh, wow. that they were uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I had one for uh, Mighty Python and the Holy Grail. Nice, nice. yeah. so I've I've actually owned all of the movies in, well, except for probably the recent ones, um, in like all of the media. I mean, I've had them in VHS. I've had them in DVD. I've had them in Blu-ray. And I've had them in digital. So it's, they're definitely up there in my, in my favorite movies. Um, and the story, the, the story that the original trilogy told was absolutely fantastic. It was very compelling. Mm. The prequels, not so much. Um, I think we're gonna skip. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you know, it was. Um, but I, I'm real. I was. I was very excited when I heard that that they were actually bringing it back to life after the uh, after the prequels because I really would have hated for that to be Star Wars: A Swan Song. Um, yeah, sure. that's true. That, that that would have been absolutely horrendous, mm-hmm. and it would have been such an injustice to the to the whole franchise. Um, so I'm glad that it's been that Disney is, t- I, and I know that a lot of people are not happy about Disney taking it over, but I'm very glad that Disney is taking it over because I think all all things considered, they can do a decent job with it, and they will continue to put out movies, which is one of the things that I was worried about after the after the prequels did so poorly. Yeah. So okay, and I'm gonna kind of do mine now, I guess. Uh, it's weird. Tell us about your experience. Yeah, it's weird because I saw. Well, I didn't see Star Wars in the theater. But I did see, I'm pretty sure I saw Empire in the theater, which I would have been like three or four. And Return of the Jedi was the first movie I ever saw in the theater, like, without parents. I was like six. Because, like... Where were your parents? I know, that's very young. My mom was doing a charity, um, like, garage sale thing where, like, everyone had set up tables in, like, a shopping center. And that was back in the days where it didn't matter what the rating was. Your parents could yeah. just drop you off at the movie and come exactly. back later. So they were, <laughs> she was doing this 
Yeah, so she was she was doing this charity thing, and all the kids were there, like, bored. So they just gave us money, and the shopping center and the movie theater was part of the shopping center. So we just walked over and saw this movie. And I, it, like, I felt so adult, and I, of course, loved the movie and, you know, all these things. But the weird thing for, I think, probably me and Rob was the movie theater was where you saw those movies, and that was it. So if you saw yeah. Star Wars in the theater, it was all in your memory from that point on. So Star Wars for you was seeing it once in the theater because it wasn't that easy to do. And there wasn't going home in a year and watching it on VHS for a while. It wasn't it being on HBO for a little while. It was reenacting the movie with your toys. Or And I will say that that's – I believe that's one of the reasons why they don't have a lot of the repeat business that they used to have as far as movies are concerned. Because there's so many different modes to which you can access the movie now that people just don't go back to the theater to see it. Yeah, because I'll just see it in six months when it's out on video. Yeah, but I'm not like, going to go back yeah. and see Last Jedi. Same. Yeah. I-, <laughs> I probably will. But I remember very distinctly after seeing the opening sequence of Star Wars, which I'll talk about later, um, in my parents' hallway, they used to have like the very 70s, 80s black and white tile checkers on the floor and everything was like shiny black and white in that hallway. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. played the opening sequence of Star Wars. My friends would try to come through the door and we would all like hide in the closet and hide like behind furniture and stuff and like light them up with our Nerf blasters, pretending that we were, you know, rebel blockade runner. Rebel scum. Rebel scum. <laughs> As the other kids would kind of come through the door and then we'd reenact it the other way. And it was just a, a great way to reenact death scenes, you know? Oh, totally normal. Yeah, yeah of, of course. course. So, <laughs> did one of your friends always hit their head on the door? Yeah, yeah, just <laughs> different scene, Jimmy. Just for um, for realism. Yeah. Um, so there's that, and then eventually, uh, the neighbor across the street actually owned a video rental store, so was able to get their hands on the Star Wars movies and would like let me borrow it all the time. It was when the VHS oh. came in that giant foam container, not like the giant clamshell. Yeah, but to buy them, it would have been like um. eighty to a hundred dollars. So yeah, they would just bring them that's why, and I I get to watch them again. Um, anyway, so yeah, flash forward, and you know, Star Wars was always there, and just like you guys got the VHSs, all the re-releases, and then a friend of mine at school who I've actually mentioned on this podcast before, but he Jeez. introduced me to the the books, and he was like, "You need to re- read um, the Thrawn trilogy," <gasps> and <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, that's like the best one. Yeah, so good. and I got into him, and like. You know, then every time I went to the bookstores, go back to the Star Wars section and pick another Star Wars book. So I did that, and then it was, you know, I hit college, and about as I was getting halfway through college, they announced that Phantom Menace was coming out and all that. Um, I did the stay up all night thing and go to see Phantom Menace, except our showing broke. I was seeing it at uh, the Meisner Park theaters, and right at the point when young Anakin steals the the little yellow uh, space jet thing, all of a sudden the film went upside down, like it flipped no. and it jammed. And then caught on fire. That's called foreshadowing. <laughs> that yeah, that's, that's some irony there. That, that is, awesome. that was legitimately wow. the best part of that movie. So Anakin literally yeah. caught on no fire doubt. and burst into flames. Yeah, is what exactly. I'm getting. While upside down. Wow. <laughs> wow. That relatively famous shot. <laughs> that's how it should be. All of the yellow like ships are kind of floating <laughs> out there near that planet. Yeah. So that happened. Um, there oh, were some complaints. Nice. That movie lasted way longer than it should have for me. Um, and then, of course, I saw the rest of them, and um, that takes us to now, and of course, where I'm now podcasting about it, and I'm sitting in a room full of Star Wars Legos. He he really is too. I've I've seen that room. It's all right, guys. So now that we've talked about our experience with Star Wars, it's time to dive right into the Last Jedi. 
I think we've got a couple of mixed reviews here because I think I think there were some of us that liked it and some of us that not so much. And I'm right in the middle. I will say that as the days have gone on, I've started to like it less. I agree with that. Hmm. I left feeling it was the first Star Wars movie I left where I didn't want to immediately watch it again. And that's never happened. Even with the prequels, I was like, oh, I kind of want to. But I was oh. also like 10 for the prequels. Um, so maybe that Um, is different. I did not want to watch it again immediately because it was two and a half hours long and I've got a little back thing that's sitting that too long. It starts to get aggravated. Oh, and I have a bladder, which a lot of, uh, I guess (laughs) film producers kind of forget. Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I, somebody told me about it before I went to go see it, and they warned me, and they said, just when you think the movie is over, there's another hour. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's 100% true. And that was, that was totally the case. And, and also, also in retrospect, though, I was glad for that extra hour, simply because if they'd have ended it where you thought they were going to end it, it was going to be like a big cliffhanger, and okay, you know, the, so, the movie well, was going to feel unfinished, and it's like, Damn it. Not. So I'm glad that they resolved some of it, but it does give me some concerns as to where they go with the next one because they really kind of resolved like or everything. Threw away. <laughs> or threw away everything, yes. So let's yeah. talk a little bit about the plot before we kind of go into the more critical aspects because it's going to come up okay. throughout. Um, sure. To me, most of the movie does center around pretty much a very long, slow chase scene across the galaxy while other things are happening. Super slow chase scene. Yeah, and it's giant capital ships, one chasing, or a bunch chasing another one. Which I, you know, I'll be honest, I, that, that whole premise is kind of ridiculous to me. That they're like, oh no, now they're outside of range of our torpedoes. But they, they were like, they moved forward like 20 feet. <laughs> so now they were out of range. But they were like very slowly going after each other. Well, they had to do a lot of explanation. Say, it's it's even worse than that because they weren't out of range of the torpedoes. They were just out of range of the Tie Fighters, which means the Tie Fighters have like no freaking gas at all. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> they've talked about that a lot before, but they they had to do a lot of explanation there where it was like they don't have they have. There's a whole thing where. If the, if they jumped into hyperspace to get away, that they were immediately going to be followed. But if they jump into hyperspace, it would finish up their fuel, and then they wouldn't be able to jump again. So the whole point of it was that that they were able to track him through hyperspace, which up until this point, this movie hadn't been allowed. Well, so. actually, <clears throat> um, it was mentioned in Rogue One. It was. Um, Jen Erso was uncovering documents, and she actually saw that they did have the ability to track in hyperspace. Uh, so we uh, actually knew yeah. this information before the original trilogy. We just haven't seen it being used. Yeah, which was a, actually mm-hmm. kind of a cool um, reverse Easter egg in a way. Yeah, I, I enjoyed so that. that. Was, so, so I that really liked that really they liked. tied that in. Yeah. Can we just talk? The rest of this episode about how good Rogue One was. Oh my gosh, I love Rogue One. (laughs) So good. Rogue One was really good. I do. Uh, That one's one of my favorite as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, there's this long chase. And while this is going on, there are other things happening where, you know, characters leave this capital ship and go do, you know, try to go on a mission to figure out how to stop this tracking thing. Well, they, I'm trying to figure out the right words to say, they, some of the characters go off to another like gambling planet and try to figure out a way to hack this this tracking device 
Well, they're trying to get somebody who's capable. They're trying to recruit somebody who's capable. The slicer, which is actually the first, even though all of us book readers are well aware of the slicer because they're like in every book, but it was never been seen in the movie before. So I thought that was kind of cool as well as even the gambling planet, you know, like the kind of opulence, which is for the movies. It's a little, it's something you haven't really seen, but in the books, they talk about it a lot. So I thought that was kind of neat. And, and interestingly enough, it's, it's a, it's a mirror version, not, not a mirror, but like an opposite version of the one that we got in the original Star Wars, which was the Moss Eisley Cantina. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they, so they go to the Moss Eisley Cantina, which is the hive of scum and villainy. But when you think about it, the guys here were probably a little bit more evil than them. Because they were selling weapon systems to, right. Because it was, yeah, populated by arms dealers and they were selling to both sides. Yeah. So. Anyway, that's going on, and also then there's the continuing plot from the end of Force Awakens of Lou, Le, uh, Bleh, Ray bringing a lightsaber to Luke, and it pretty much you know starts off right there. So uh, one Which of the things that that, that I was happy with, yes, that whole section or the handing of the lightsaber, the hand the handing of the lightsaber. Yeah, I, I was happy with the fact that they picked up right where it left off in that, you know, respect. We didn't have this, oh, hey, now raise this incredible Jedi badass. Like, yeah. but what happened? Well, but but that being said, I don't feel like they really focused a whole lot on Ray's training. They um, did not. And it's it's like, okay, you you go fight now. It's like, wait, what? I mean, because at least in at least in Empire, you had this training montage. But even after the training montage, Yoda was like, that is why you fail. You know, because he was like, I don't believe it. And Yoda's like, that's why you fail. And it's and and you knew that Luke wasn't ready when he left. Mm-hmm. But and, and they kind of address that. But in this one, it's like, oh, well, you know, go ahead. Go win. Used a lot of comedy elements in that section, too. Between Just the, that course. section, because I feel like the entire movie was. Yeah, like there was jokes. a lot. There were like a lot of jokes. Well, and they when, were bad. When he hands him the lightsaber, he just flips it over his shoulder. And then there was some some problems with the caretakers, which were the like nun like creatures that were taking care oh, the of the weird, island. Like, was Miyazaki frog creatures that served no yeah, purpose. They were like taking yeah. care of the the island and like. And then there was every the time Ray would screw up, uh, they would like kind of stare angrily at her. Yeah. Um, and then of course the um, weird walruses that um, Luke milks. Milk. That was a little uncomfortable. Oh, that was did, so I was gonna weird. say, did anybody else feel kind of creepy when the thing looked at the camera and like he was like looking As at Ray? And I'm milked. like, oh I'm like, I don't know if I should be watching this. What is going yeah. on here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, are- I feel like on what we've touched on so far, the biggest issue, at least what I felt with this movie, was editing. Like they could have cut 40 minutes of like. Milking the aliens, some of the comedy jokes, most of the alien scenes, like a lot of the cantina and like it would have felt so much more concise and like have a purpose. Like the older movies, like they like had such a good flow because they weren't just sticking things in. That that being said, I will say that I felt like the um, the Force Awakens had the same kind of had the same kind of feel to it. So I mean, they're they're really still kind of keeping in keeping in this trilogy's feel with the comedy and the stuff like that. Because Finn, in the last movie, Finn was more of more of the comic relief, and he was saying stupid stuff and doing stupid things. And I'm like, all right, I'm not, I'm not, I, I and and I that's how I felt in the last movie. And the fact that they just continued it, it's still, you know what I mean. It's still keeping with the uh, with the feel of the first one. 
It was a little heavy. Yeah, I mean, if, in they, this movie. if they kept it to one or two characters, that's one thing. But I felt like every character had like a, a stand-up routine prepared, or like funny quips, and like it just could have been edited to have five or six jokes instead of twenty to thirty jokes. Well, I think a lot of the humor in both of these movies have a very 2010 style of banter to them. Like mm-hmm. Poe is, you know, basically doing your mama jokes as he's flying and taking out the the guns on the top of that dreadnought. I I gotta admit though, I was I was laughing when he was doing the the he couldn't hear him thing on the yeah. speaker. Oh, I I lost I was losing I, my mind. I thought I thought it was funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. The I think I think Poe is Poe's character is genuinely funny. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe maybe the guy who plays him is funny. I like Poe. He's South Florida's own. The guy went to uh, Atlantic High School in South Florida. Oh, nice. Yeah. Huh. But some of the jokes I felt were forced. Like we saw characters making jokes that didn't previously make that. I'm talking about Luke. And I was just like, ah. Oh. <laughs> like some of the jokes were I'm really cool. General Hux. No, that, that was funny. But I'm talking like, well, those reminded me like when I was first like, well, this doesn't feel like Star Wars. Like it doesn't sound like dialogue that would be in a Star Wars movie. That reminded me like, oh, this is just a movie I should have fun. Yeah. So I I didn't dislike those jokes. It was just so. No, I mean, I like those jokes as well. But you're mentioning with the editing and stuff. I think a lot of what they put in there was for payoff later in the movie. But the problem was, is the movie was there was so much of that that made the movie so long that it made the payoff less. Specifically, the visit to the to the gambling planet because there was a payoff at the end but it, there was so much other stuff that happened that like what was the payoff was, though was was are we we're able to talk spoilers right yeah of course yeah, I mean, they, they failed they failed they weren't able to do yeah, what they set out to do that that those kids who saw this stuff happen those slave kids are now the next generation of resistance of resistance fighters because the terrible people that rob was mentioning the weapons people Mm-hmm. They're getting super rich by basically making people kill each other and mistreating these kids and the horses for that matter or whatever those things were called. Fog years. Yeah. I just – I don't feel like we needed to reiterate that because this has been a theme in the Star Wars universe for for years. I mean yeah. even back in episode one, like these were all slavers and people who were like getting all this money well, off of but, pod racing like – but given given the given the climate of where the movie actually ended, I I don't think it was that far out of line for them to go back and say because when the movie ends, you're like, oh my god, the resistance is decimated. We've got what fifteen people left, and then they go back to the scene and show no, there's always going to be other people to join the resistance, mm-hmm. you know, and 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 they tie it back in there. The kid who was a Jedi who lifts, of course, saw the mop get lifted to his hand by the Force. Right. Right. Okay. So. That answers my question. I'm gonna. I'm gonna just gonna hang up now. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. I'm done. I have one question. I'm gonna hang up and listen. I wanted to ask if anybody, if it was just me, because I was like, wait, what? Did he? Wait, yeah, what? Yeah, yeah, yes, he, did. yeah he, he lifted it. He lifted okay. up this. All right, he good. like used the force to get the thing to go into his hand, and then he also lifted it up. So, and then he held it like a lightsaber at the end. They're gonna make a toy of that kid that comes with a broom or a mop. I'm gonna buy it for Jimmy. Why? I I just I didn't like I kind of looked away first. Like maybe I was reaching down and grab some popcorn or trying to find my drink in the dark theater, clutching, clutching himself because he really had to pee at that point. <laughs> oh my god! I 
the okay so spoilers out rob you were talking about they added one more hour where luke walks out of the hole in the base i was like okay scene got it oh man <laughs> i gotta hold it shit um but i'm i'm in agreement with megan like on pretty much all points um I thought the scene on the gambling, like, I thought it lasted a bit longer than it needed to. And especially with the, the pod race, I mean, the, the <laughs> thing where they're riding on the, it felt so pod race to me. And I was just like, oh, I don't care. Like, animal liberation, great. Heck yeah, man. But that long, really? Yeah. I just, I think that the cloud. Especially when it's in the middle of a, a actual battle going on up in the stars and you always have that in the back of your mind. Like they're yeah. pounding these shields on this capital ship while you're rescuing horses or Favier's or whatever they're called. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, it, I thought, oh, I, I thought that whole Finn, Finn and Rose scene was, was unnecessary. I mean, I don't, I don't know that they really needed to go there and do that because the other problem that you have is you've got this character that they've introduced uh, Benicio del Toro's character who plays the slicer that they try to get that um, basically ends up, stabbing him in the back and then there's no resolution he just comes in stabs him and leaves and it's like wait what I mean, <laughs> there's yeah. no I, there's no resolution to his well, character whatsoever i i felt like it was a lot like uh episode five cloud city you know they go to this like gorgeous extravagant city mm. up in like you know mm -hmm. super wealthy meet this stranger who betrays them after you don't really know anything about him um and I don't know, like, I think it would have been so much more unique and interesting to actually meet the Justin Thoreau character and go on some Ocean's Eleven heist of, like, a successful Rogue One story. And, like, I was so excited thinking it was going to go that direction. And then just to, like, meet yet another throwaway okay. character, it just felt like, well, really? Like, why? Yeah, that sucked. Yeah. Because, one, I was, like... I, I looked at my girlfriend. I was like, is that Benicio del Toro? She was like, I don't know. He looks younger than he should be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right? He's looked the same but, since like a usual suspects. I don't think he's ever aged. Yeah. Really? It was like, is that still him? Like, which is a fantastic crazy. movie, by oh, the way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Guys, so even, if Ke even if Kevin Spacey's in it. Have you guys seen Snatch? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So he was Frankie Fourfingers in Star Wars. I, yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Which was great. And that non-payoff, it was like, please turn out yeah. to be good. Please, oh, damn. Yeah, back to the books. Like, don't play with my heart. Like, when that first, opportunity. When the character first came up, I, I had cut Agreed. myself off from spoilers. So when that character first came up, I'm like, oh, please be Talon card. Please be Talon card. Live. Yeah, that would have been yeah. neat. And then when it, then as it was going on, I'm like, okay, well, maybe the, like, he could have been Talon Card. I was like, kind of let down. Like, why not just make him Talon Card and make some of the fans happy? And then when he did the betrayal thing, I'm like, ah, oh, that's why he wasn't Talon Card. Yeah. But yeah, and I don't know. Actually, the the Justin Thoreau character. A lot of people seem to like that. I did not. I don't know. Just what? Two Clark Gable looking. Who? The the guy. No, he was like a James guy. Bond, white tuxedo wearing, suave Mr. and Mrs. Smith, Brad Pitt. Like that. That's. I mean. Yeah, but I don't. I don't want yeah. Space James Bond. Like what? <laughs> what? The, the master How? slicer. The master slicer. They were supposed to get who they ended up not getting. That's what we're talking about. Oh, okay. Yeah, Justin Thoreau's. Yeah. Or I, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Character. You're right. You're right. 
Isn't that the president of Canada? No. He's a writer and uh, actor. I think he was dating Drew Barrymore briefly, and now he's married to some yeah, other Jennifer person. Jennifer Aniston. I'm, I think I'm impressed you knew that. Wow. Well, I do a lot of uh, shopping at, at the Publix, and you get to, oh, nice. while waiting in line, you get to read the front of the Inquirer and stuff. <laughs> and he does a lot of stalking of Jennifer Aniston. Oh, a yeah, lot. Naturally. She's always at Publix. That's why I'm always at Publix, too. But I don't know if you Which Publix are you going to? <laughs> In Avalon Park? Yes. So did you guys catch uh, Space Gary? Did you guys see Space oh, Gary? Oh, yeah. It was the cat in the casino scene that was, like, on the guy. The, he was in the guy's arms. Well, it was a dog-like thing, yeah, on the, the big – there's a big creature in the casino that was kind of – his head kind of came out of, like, his chest. He was big and bulky, almost like some of the things from Fifth Element. And he was holding a little French bulldog-looking alien with big eyes, which was uh, actually uh, Carrie Fisher's doggy. So – I uh, cut that I, somehow, and I was like, oh, that kind of looks like a French bulldog. I didn't put two and two together, and then I got home, and they were saying that the French bulldog was at the premiere and would perk up every time he saw Carrie Fisher on the screen. Like, oh, <laughs> as if I needed more pain. Um, so let's let's move on a little bit from you know, plot-type stuff, because we kind of covered that. Um, some of the key moments. Uh, well, let's, we're talking about Carrie Fisher, so let's talk about Leia. Um, let's talk about that. Uh, uh, so very early, very early in the film. The at, of the cap the capital ship they're chasing. I believe it's the Radis named after the admiral that that was in Rogue One. I have very strong opinions on this. They blew up the control center and basically everyone got sucked out into space. So Admiral Akbar dead. All the other high command dead. And Carrie Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia, gets sucked out into space. So you assume that she's dead. Okay, so go on. By they, um, Greg means the in first order. Yeah. Uh, the, the first order, uh, the, Greg means the first order. Um, Kylo Ren had his opportunity, Ben Solo, spoiler alert. Um, he had his opportunity to take her out. They had a connection there. He could not pull the trigger. So the first order pilots did, right? And I was like, this is going to sound awful. Um, but I was like, okay, that's all right. That's appropriate. Um, I, I felt it was appropriate because Kylo Ren didn't directly do it. We kind of had this conversation on a previous episode about Rick from The Walking Dead. And that's the same way I felt about this situation. Uh, the pilots of the First Order did it. Kylo Ren could live with himself knowing that he didn't kill his mother. He's like, okay, we have some finality. Carry on. But he also genuinely seemed shocked, and and maybe there was even a flash of like anger there when they actually did it when he wasn't going to. Oh yeah, he looked like so, he got punched in, punched in the mm-hmm. stomach. Yeah, so it, it wasn't something that he was happy that happened or anything like that. He, no, he genuinely didn't want it to happen. But agreed, and I was okay that with his character the way that. Yeah, I was like, okay, there you yeah. go. Yeah, like I agree with Jimmy. Whole... I would have loved to have actually have had her. I mean die i think it would have been a uh I, I i know that sounds so sad no, I, I'm, I promise no i know exactly but it would have been such yep. a beautiful moment i feel like all the scenes after that that had her in it could have been edited out they weren't improved by her mm-hmm. um i think it would have been so much more powerful to see leia floating in space open her eyes reach out with the force to connect to Luke one last time, inspiring Luke to come back and help the rebels. 
and then have Ray and Kylo feel it. Like that would have been powerful. It would have been a, a good way to, to write Carrie out because, you know, now they're left with how are we going to have Leia in the next movie? And are they going to CG yep. it? Are they going to have some footage? Like, are they going to write just a way to get her off of the screen? Is it going to be an opening scroll where it mentions she's dead? And then, yeah, th- I'm worried that it's going to be like an off-screen yeah. death kind and of thing. And then on top of it, yeah. like, you know, she was in this space coma after she used the force, which I'm sure we'll speak about in a moment, but she uses the force. She's in the space coma, wakes up. And then all of the lines that she has after that are like, her explaining to the audience something that shouldn't have had to have been explained if there was better storytelling. And my my point for that would be the purple hair Hunger Games lady that they had. That's that's <laughs> her name forever. That was piloting the ship. Lord, you know when she's going to stay on the ship and go down with the ship like all a t- t- Titanic, you know, and everyone's boarding the escape ships. Um, Leia's like, well, maybe she just doesn't want the attention, but. In, in a better story, you know, storytelling way, it would have been stronger for Poe to actually recognize, oh, she's staying to go down with the ship, and I was wrong this whole time. And, like, that was another thing I took issue with in this film. I felt like a lot of it had to be explained, whereas Rogue One, even the last uh, – or the last uh, new of the trilogy and all the old movies, like, nothing had to be outright said, you know – I feel like the intelligence of the average Star Wars viewer is a little higher and like they can kind of piece things together. And, and so like, yeah. oh, I don't know. That was something that I thought was a missed moment. Yeah. How many times, and, and you totally wrote it better than the, the screenwriter uh, with what you just said about, you know, what could have happened. Um, I agree with you 100%. Um, I mean, how many times did we hear, Oh, well, they're going to run out of gas. And like, or, or like, or, um, oh, I'm trying to find my parents. I want to meet my parents. Oh, you want to know who your parents are? Where you could say something like, can you reveal my past to me? I want to see where I came from. Who do I belong to? Like, we get it. You're looking for your parents. Like, you don't have to say you're looking for your parents 50 times, you know? And then on top mm-hmm. of it, they said snuff out, which is such a particular British phrase, three times. Like, oh, we're trying to snuff the rebels out. Like, really? We can't come up with something else besides snuff? I get that he's British, <laughs> but we can we can do better. <laughs> that's that's it. We can do Was better. Hugs. <laughs> yeah, Huck said it like two or three. Somebody else said it too. Uh, like before. 40 or 50 times. Yeah, snuff out. How? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Somebody could have just gone through the <laughs> script and like mixed it out a little bit. You know, switched out the words, finessed it. Yeah, my, so, the crowd I saw it in the theater with was really small, because I, I saw it I saw it like at noon or something. So it was actually a pretty small crowd. So it, it was you couldn't there wasn't a lot of reaction to what we all thought was Leia dying. And I thought that what you're talking about with editing, like the way it was presented, if she had actually died there, mm-hmm. would have been bad because it was very off camera. And like you know, Akbar died there as well. And that was kind of off camera, and they had to mention it after the fact also. Like, you know, where's Akbar? Oh, he's dead. Oh. Mm-hmm. But in retrospect, he really only had literally two minutes and 30 seconds worth of total sc- screen time across all of the Star Wars movies, which is crazy. Yeah. But it had you tacked on that heroic ending of as she, in her last dying breath, she reaches out to Luke and is like, get your butt off this island. Yeah, and it would have given him such a good like hero's incentive to be involved because – I mean, 
I, I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Well, that that be, that being said, I mean that scene. Yes, it could have it could have been improved. However, I actually did not have a problem with the way that Luke actually did get involved. I thought it was I thought it was a nice use and a nice display of Luke's powers and the whole the whole like using using it up basically um, and showing basically how powerful he really was um, to be able to project that far. Yeah, um, and, and and still actually be involved and help them escape basically. So I the, the way that Luke did get involved, I didn't have a problem with. I agree that that particular scene with with Leia could have mm-hmm. been improved in that manner, but the way that I I didn't have a problem with the way that they actually involved Luke at the end of the movie as opposed to having him be there, you know yeah. what I mean? And and I think even like with Leia reaching out and inciting him to come back and help the rebels, the whole like final 30 minutes of the movie would have stayed pretty much the same with him projecting himself there. Or, or something yeah. like that. But I mean, how he got involved with, with the Yoda scene was another thing that I was like, I took a little issue with because we learned that yeah. now force ghosts are able to like summon lightning and control the weather, which would be super <laughs> helpful. And like, there's been force ghosts for a long time. Like Vader could have showed up and like lightninged Kylo and been like, Hey, maybe you don't turn out like me. Like, so it was like continuity <laughs> issues that I just was, you know, like, why hasn't Leia used any kind of force pull until now? In any of the yeah. in any of the books that are like still canon that they've been writing, like they did the the Leia book that came out um, before this movie, you know, it just felt very throwaway. And obviously, we're never going to get to see her evolve into a Jedi, which now is even more hurtful. Like, because it was hard. You know, it was hard seeing her on the screen. Yeah, it it was, and she. She lived a hard life, mm-hmm. yeah, and that comes through. It was kind of hard to watch, knowing where she'd been, and yeah. you know now that she's passed, it it was difficult. Um, but speaking to forced <laughs> <laughs> ghost summoning lightning, <laughs> I was just like, I was like, are you fucking kidding right? me? <laughs> like, ah. I mean, it was cool to see like. Luke as student again, yeah. his transition to master, but Yoda showing up and going from like, this is what I've heard that that Yoda was not CG. No, he was puppet. And, was then, they, say, and can, then they, yeah. can I just say that I noticed that and I absolutely loved, I loved it. that they went with puppet Yoda oh, instead no. of CGI. Yoda. I loved mm-hmm. it. Don't get me wrong, but, and we'll talk about this later in my favorite moments. Um, Going from seeing like CG Yoda and back to this, I was like, what? Like, and then I was like, okay, this is great. But Luke looked like this. He looked like an 11 year old boy in front of Yoda. And it was just this weird. He was like, you don't need that tree lighting. (laughs) You know, like I'm riding from Mortal Kombat. And then then he cracks a joke. He's like, those aren't page turners, but in his Yoda way. I was like, when did Yoda? When Yoda's never made jokes. Uh, he's so that's he's like a pop you on the head with his cane kind of well, guy. Well, but I mean, you could also consider his in, his entire introduction to Luke as a yeah joke. as a, as a joke and a role play just to see what Luke was do what Luke would do. I mean, because he put on an entirely different personality when he initially yeah. met Luke. 
So, I mean, the the jokes... I'll bring you to him. Whatever. Yeah, the, the jokes wouldn't be... I mean, in my opinion, the jokes wouldn't be that far out for Yoda just, just because of the way that we've seen him act in the original trilogies. Not not the prequels, but in the original trilogies, just the way that we've seen him act, I wouldn't. it, it wouldn't surprise me mm-hmm. to, to have him yeah. crack a joke. And I do think Point a lot taken. of that was to try to kind of tone down the mythology of the whole Jedi thing because... Like the prequels yeah. trying to add all that stuff about midi Claridians, which was crap. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, God. Just all of that like history of Eton. holocrons and all this other stuff. It was like Scientology. <laughs> right? So I do always have a a problem when any sort of when something becomes too powerful. Like whether it be you know Superman comics. Superman comics are largely boring because nothing can defeat Superman other than Kryptonite. And how many stories like that mm-hmm. can you have? If the force is yeah. so powerful, it, it leads to so many plot points or plot like issues because you're like, well, why didn't they just do that in the first place? Like there's. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that was really that was really the crux of my issue with the whole Leia with the whole Leia scene was that, yes, she is a force user, but she is still human. And space would have killed yes, yes. Oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, so I saw I was telling Greg and Megan this earlier. Rob, I finally saw Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, part okay. two today. And when Yondu, uh, you know, mm-hmm. his, he broke the barrier, he went the way that you would expect very yeah. quickly. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that didn't happen. A, like my girlfriend threw her arms in the air and was like, no, what? No. And like people in the crowd were cheering. And I was just that kind of like uncomfortable in between, like, yeah, like, I don't think you should be a plot. Like, uh, do you guys know what this means now? Like, uh. but there's so many other weird, like, do they understand how space works moments? Because another thing that I thought was bizarre was like the opening scene, which was stunning. They're dropping bombs in the vacuum of space. So like, right. how would they even drop? Also the, the skidding stop that Poe Dameron takes when he, Decides to change direction. Poe Dameron. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, like, you know, maybe but, they don't know how that works. But we've, uh, we've had to, like, you know, suspend disbelief on a lot of that kind of stuff. I mean, there's sound. Yeah, she, she, she would have, she would have died. And I don't yeah. know, like, yeah. And a lot of people say it's the best part of the movie, which I've, you know, I've read a lot of reviews and oh, stuff disagree. like that. Disagree. I disagree too. I've just read it a lot. And people are like, oh, the those know, the people are wrong. Or, yes, <laughs> the showstopper part of the movie, and I'm like, well. Eh. I don't know. That just also it was just a bad reminder of the fact that she didn't survive her medical issue yeah. in real life. So, so let's let's move on to um, you know, something Megan said. Actually, brought up some stuff where she was talking about how the ca- the casino scene and meeting DJ, the guy we didn't know his name in the movie, but his character name was DJ, and having him actually be a scoundrel was a twist, kind of on the Lando Calrissian thing. They did a lot of that where they took things from the other movies and then twisted them at the end just to kind of prove a point. And, mm-hmm. but they did it so much that it became obvious. So yeah. for example, like you said, the, the scoundrel that actually was a scoundrel rather than being a Lando Calrissian type hero or the Kylo Ren Snoke thing where there, they led you to believe that Kylo Ren was going to pull a Darth Vader and turn good, but, but he actually did mm-hmm. not, but that was, but they did it so frequently that it's really did seem like they were doing it on purpose just to, you know, add yet another twist on top of everything else. 
Um, so what yeah. did you what did you think? I guess about the Kylo Ren Snoke situation. The I liked the the master and apprentice relationship that they had. Um, I liked that Snoke was manipulating Kylo Ren like the entire time because he's the Sith Lord and that's what he's supposed to do. His death seemed really kind of hollow and another one of those WTF mm. moments for me. It, I mean, it was it was essentially tantamount to Darth Maul completely losing all concentration, watching Obi-Wan do six flips above him, turn around, land, and then slice him in half. And it's like, wait, what? <laughs> Aren't you what, – what just happened? I – you 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 watched him flip over you and then slice you in half and and perhaps to have Snoke have that much of a lapse of concentration mm-hmm. to where yep. to where he just basically offs him. I'm like, okay, so that was a the the Sith Lord was a throwaway character apparently because we got we got no information on him, we got no backstory, we got nothing, and they just they just tossed him out. And I was like, nah, I really dislike the way that they they agree. how powerful he was. With how fast he was like able to summon lightning, how he was able yeah. to connect Ray and, and Kylo across the, the worlds, right? right. Mm-hmm. Or he could yeah, without even moving, Hux, without even thinking about it. Yeah, you know, Bruce yeah, it was yeah. a shame. And then to yeah. but all of that stuff was was planned. Like, first of all, part of me throughout the whole movie was like every time they just shut off some of these threads that J.J. Abrams left for for the next director. Every time they just cut them down. I was. I had that feeling. It was just like, no, this is mine now. This is my movie now. I don't really want to do that. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to explain Ray's parents. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. Yeah, Which that's another fine. one that I was, that I was but, really disappointed I mean, about. I don't mind the Ray parents. Like, you know, the Skywalkers originally, he was like a, a slave who came from nothing. Obi-Wan had a similar backstory. And like, yeah, this is going to be basically a new starting point for like a new Skywalker, you know, dynasty. But it's going to be Ray. Yeah. And like what comes after her. Um, so, you know, I don't mind that. It's just everything was thrown away. Yeah. Like. Well, but but for something that was such a focal point of the first movie, for them to just in offhand say, oh, your parents were nobody. They they traded you for drink money. But I think that's fine. But it's, and it's, we're it's, moving it's on. also Kylo it's saying like, it, you know, like for all we know, he's lying to get her to join him because mm-hmm. if she can feel broken, like she's worth nothing, she'll join him. So, you know, I wouldn't completely solidify that. As canon, like we still don't know, but I rewatched Force mm-hmm. Awakens yeah. after Last Jedi and that whole flashback scene where like she's being left behind. Like I actually think it is more powerful if her parents really just are leaving her and she really isn't anything. And then it turns out that she actually is like someone so monumental that she's going to change the course of, of the universe. And they like sold her for, for alcohol. If it's an entire galaxy, it's way more likely that her parents are nobody than of the yeah. 15 characters we actually know. Right. Plus, like, what other right. Jedi are left behind? Everyone was pretty much slaughtered. Um, so, I mean, even going back into, like, extended universe, there's not, like, a lot of lineage that someone just as powerful as Rey could really have come from without them already being sensed and, like, tracked down. Mm-hmm. So, so that didn't bother me, but, like, like Snoke and Phasma having no backstories and, like, tossed out, even though I know Phasma's in, like, the books, yeah, it was it was wasted opportunity. And and a little sad. And now we're left with one big bad. We have Kylo, and you know who really isn't all that impressive. No, not at all. It, he's lost every time. He's lost every single time. When Kylo had his shirt so, off, he was kind of impressive. Ugh. Yeah, CG. It's CG. <laughs> <laughs> now he used to be a marine in real life. I mean, we'll see. That concerns me because 
Well, also, I mean, I like how they're playing off the Matt, the radar technician, who's like, oh, your Kylo Ren's got an APAC. Um, but, but I just, I hope it doesn't turn, now that we know or might know who Ray's parents are, I hope it doesn't turn into like a love story. Um, you know, I thought that the Rose and Finn thing was very off the cuff and like unneeded. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think because you have a female antagonist, she needs to fall in love and meet somebody. And I, I just hope that that's not like a, Twilight, like, oh, I can change him. There's still good inside of him. I sense it. And, like, I'm going to make him good again, like, kind of thing. You know, yeah, I I think either he's a Sith and he's going to be killed or, you know, maybe both of them together are the Grey Jedi and a new Force world will open up. But um, I just hope it doesn't become romantic. And and seeing his shirt, like, I know that the official explanation – because people were complaining about it was, well, we really wanted people to know that they could see each other. But before that scene, I thought it was established pretty well that they could like actually see each other. Cause he was like, can you see yeah, where can, I am? Like, yeah. Can you yeah. see my surroundings? So, Cause I can't see yours. Exactly. So I just thought that was so unnecessary and weird and like fanficty, and I didn't enjoy it. And I felt very uncomfortable. <laughs> so I think it was, I think it was the obligatory shirt off scene. But we didn't get was, that with we probably in his contract. We didn't get that with Han Solo in the old trilogies. Like, I mean, we got Darth Vader in that weird pod thing as they like lowered his helmet oh. onto him. Oh, that, was, <laughs> that doesn't count. Floating around in Bacta. I mean, I think the closest moment we got was like Luke coming out in Episode Six in his like black tailored suit when he's meeting Vader, and I'm like, oh wow, Luke looks awesome right now. What is what is happening here? <laughs> but like, we didn't have a shirt off. Born. Oh yeah. oh, yeah, you did. You had Luke in the back to tank in his underwear. Oh, yeah. See? But it wasn't, like, sexy. <laughs> he was, like, he was, like, a... In, like a, a wampa scratch across his face. Yeah, I mean, he was... And they were, like, whitey tighties, too. I mean, this no, was, like, like, a... a diaper. It was, like, a... It was, like, a diaper thing. But anyway, we have oh. gone totally off the rails, which is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> it's usually Rob doing it, so I'm <laughs> So the other the question I actually would like – one of the things I really liked uh, knowing kind of the history of Star Wars and what Lucas did when he made Star Wars is he based it off of uh, Seven Samurai. Uh, the story is loosely based on Seven Samurai. And there's another movie by the same director whose name I can't remember right now but called Rashomon, which is a movie that basically shows the same type of thing from different viewpoints. Kurosawa? Kurosawa. That's what it is. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And they did that. They did that with um, – Kylo Ren's uh, remembrance of being at the Jedi school and Luke's story about the Jedi school. And then the story as it really was told that I really liked. And it was actually, I read this today that was actually added it very late in the script, like very, very like probably one of the last things they did. Hmm. But I thought that was really cool. Cause nice. it definitely, you know, the fact that if what for you guys out there, you know, the thing I'm talking about is Kylo Ren thought Luke was going to try to kill him in his sleep. Luke was like, no, I was just looking over him and I decided not to do anything, but when it comes together, then he attacked yeah, me. Yeah, he attacked me. But when it comes together, it's like, well, Luke actually woke up Kylo Ren by igniting his lightsaber on a whim. Didn't kill him, but was close enough to doing so that Kylo really kind of had a point there to decide yeah. to tear the the place down around him. But I thought it was really cool to go back to the kind of Rashomon different viewpoints thing a little bit. And it was it was done on purpose, but and I think it actually did kind of help understand Luke a little bit and understand Kylo a lot. Yeah, no, I agree. I think where those 
kind of reveal moments of the two sides of the story and where they the truth was revealed later. I thought the the placing of those scenes was was pretty good. I am interested if they're going to explore that more because from what we got when Kylo told the story, he like wasn't actually evil, but Luke was like when he told it, well, Kylo had darkness on his heart. Mm -hmm. And I just find it very hard to believe that like, you know, if you wake up, you think you're getting attacked by one person and you like defend yourself by collapsing the house. Where do you go right after that into like slaughtering all of the other Jedis that are there? Like, who didn't do anything to you. Yeah. And like, I know that he ultimately gets the Knights of Ren. That's who leaves with him at the Jedi Academy. And yeah. I was a little disappointed. We didn't get to see them this movie because they were hinted at the last one. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, you would think that people would be like, Hey, I don't want to kill my friend. That isn't part of this. I mean, that was interesting. And I wish we just had seen a little more as to like what actually led to the split of the remaining Jedi's. Well, it's it's possible that we will see the Knights of Ren like in another movie um, because they'll probably be um, um, uh, subservient to Kylo mm-hmm. or something. We need some, but um, but it's but it's also it's also entirely probable that his friends, like the ones that you're talking about, were the Knights of Ren. So him and the Knights of Ren just slaughtered everybody else in the in the academy. Yeah, but like, did Snoke tempt them to the dark side too? And if so, like, where have they been this whole time? Like, why aren't they there protecting Snoke? Why aren't they near Kylo? They were on a beer run. Yeah, they were purchasing yeah, just... merchandise at their local Toys R Us. Oh, jeez. That is truly <laughs> the dark side. So what did you guys think of Finn trying to pay the ultimate sacrifice for the Resistance? Well, my first thought was, how the hell did Rose catch him? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Right. I was like, the physics don't work. Everybody pulled off. Finn kept going directly at the freaking cannon, and somehow Rose did an end around and and kept him from doing it. And I'm well, like, so what? I was like, wait, why is that Finn doing that? When mm-hmm. from Rose, we've had all this talk about sacrifice. Um, she she talked about it so much. She was so passionate about the resistance mm-hmm. and. Until they showed the view from Finn's cockpit, I thought it was going to be Rose. I agree. I mean, I thought it made sense for Rose, too, because her sister just sacrificed herself. She, like, completely idolized her sister. And, like, I thought it would have been a lot stronger to have Rose actually go and try to sacrifice herself or actually sacrifice herself um, Mm -hmm. than having, like, the random her saving Finn and then the kiss that had nothing then, leading up to it. Yeah, and then forcing a romantic, you know, encounter there. Yeah. And it happened in the middle of the battlefield. They were just mm-hmm. sitting right out there in the open, but they yeah, all... no one shot them? Nobody... Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. Very weird. And somehow he dragged her all the way back without anybody noticing. <laughs> and there's, like, this whole thing about how the ships that they're in are dilapidated and, like, barely starting and his foot was getting pressed through him and all this stuff yet it's flying into a beam that's currently on the other end of the beam cutting through a giant steel door and also and like everyone can fly all these different versions of robots i mean not robots uh ships like yeah. like everyone can pilot ships that are made a year ago to 40 years ago <laughs> yeah. even if they're like an old janitor or i mean what did what did rose do she she guarded but she can now pilot all these vehicles like so like virtually anyone could become a pilot 
Yeah, I mean, I, I they're different, but I thought Rose was actually like a mechanic and was very she, familiar she was with mechanic, the workings. Yeah. She yeah, was a mechanic? She, okay. Yeah, she was a mechanic. So she was familiar with like the workings and stuff like that. But still, I mean, but they, they also established, they also established that crap in the, in the first movie with, um, with Finn and Ray. You know, Finn's like, well, you know, I'm a stormtrooper. I've never actually shot a cannon before. I, I usually shoot blasters, but you know, this is the same principle. And it's like, well, not, Really? Yeah, not not at all, but that's okay. Why is the Millennium Falcon through a dilapidated Star Destroyer? Yeah, like, exactly. like expert flying. I'm not talking about getting behind a car and driving forward. It's like expert knowing yeah. how to use the weapons, knowing how to target. Like, okay, sure. Yeah, but they did, like I was saying, they did that in the last movie. So that, I mean, that was nothing new. Oh, don't forget to put out your ground skid. Oh, okay, I got this now. Like, not, right. not where the hell is the control for that? <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that thing. <laughs> Okay. Let me push that button. <laughs> beep beep. Well, there's always some has to be some suspension of disbelief yet again in the mm-hmm. start when watching Star Wars. But and and like I was mentioning before, I mean they they totally because you know that whole scene with Finn and Rose where Rose was like, no, you can't sacrifice yourself. We have to we have to fight to save what we love, not destroy what we hate. But nobody said that. Nobody said that shit for Holdo when she. <laughs> When she went all kamikaze, they're like, yeah, go get them. You know, it's like, wait a minute, yeah. what? <laughs> so, which, which, by the way, I thought actually lent to one of the really coolest looking scenes in the movie, though. Oh, yeah, yeah, it was visually gorgeous. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was a shot. absolutely gorgeous looking scene. Mm-hmm. And I love that they, I, I could be mistaken, but I loved that they did it with no sound. Yeah, was it, no, you're right. It oh, was, yeah, in fact, a no very, sound scene, right? Yeah, it was no sound. And it was an overhead view. Yeah. Just, it looked great. And the sound cut away and it just... Yeah, it, that was stunning. It, the best shot of the movie. Yeah, and uh, but I as I was saying, no, the best shot of the movie was the, the sad porg. Ugh, no. Or the, or the milking scene. <laughs> no. <laughs> with with the with the lusty alien eyes looking at Ray. <laughs> Stop, no. <laughs> yeah, don't. <laughs> so, what did you guys think of the astral projection and the end of The Last Jedi? I really liked the astral projection when he first came out and because I was, I was ready to be like, Oh, bull crap. What? When he came out and walked out from that. Hold on. Let's explain the astral projection of Luke. Yes. Which was hinted at is not an astral projection as him actually being on the battlefield, walking towards these giant, what are they called? They're not AT-ATs, but they're AT something. They're heavy. ATSTs, I think. I'm not sure. You guys chat. I will look this up. I thought the ATST was the two-legged one. Yeah, ATST was. Oh there. yeah, that is the two the two-legged one. You're right. That's the the scout trooper. So, when Luke walks out of the hall onto the battlefield, and you know Kylo Ren says to focus all their fire on that man, uh, that man being Luke. I come on, look. This whole movie was very coincidental. And pretty predictable, in my ATM opinion. ATM six is what that was called. Okay, thank you, Greg. Um, I thought so. I I immediately knew that it wasn't actually Luke because he came out holding the lightsaber that was destroyed like twenty minutes before. And he had a haircut. Well, he was the Luke that tried to kill Kylo in the um in the academy. So uh, I see. Guess, I didn't pick up on that. Oh, okay. Well, I, I didn't notice that immediately, but the first thing I noticed was how the hell did Luke get a lightsaber? 
because so far we only know of Kylo's lightsaber and Luke's lightsaber. And Kylo Ren's been spending the last like multiple years of his life hunting this lightsaber down and like talked about it nonstop in the last film. So in this mm-hmm. film, when he destroyed it with Rey, like how could he not notice that exact lightsaber that was just like ripped apart moments before in Luke's hands? So like I was just well, like, what? That's weird. That that was actually kind of far away. So I, I, I can I can forgive that a little bit. I mean, because because that actually was not Luke's lightsaber. That was that was Luke's father's lightsaber. If you remember, Luke built his own lightsaber. It actually was a green blade. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so Luke actually had another lightsaber. So being that far away, I, I didn't really have a I, I mean, I honestly didn't pick up on I it. So that was a good catch. It was a good catch, but you know, being that far away, I, I'm not surprised that he wasn't able to immediately recognize that the lightsaber was the one that was actually just destroyed. Yeah. Um, but but Luke did have his did have another lightsaber that that he used through most of the other movies. Well, yeah, so, he has the green saber, and then he built a second right. green saber that he kept inside of R2. But but it was like the the classic Vader handle saber. And, like, I get mm-hmm. initially being far away and, like, oh, fire, like, shoot everything. Use all your weapons. Like, sir, I think that's enough. Okay, whatever. And then <laughs> they get closer and they're, like, right in front of each other. Like, I expected yeah. Kylo to notice or, you know, and then you could see the the hints giving it away. Oh, it looks like a younger Luke. Oh, it's the Luke that tried to kill Kylo. Oh, there's no footprints. Maybe it's not oh, really Luke. Floats. Yeah, you know. But, but I just thought that that was such a weird... I don't know, overlook. Yeah. I didn't pick up on any of that. I was just sitting there thinking, and, and maybe if I hadn't been so obsessed with this thought, I was just like, where did Luke find time to stop at a barber? <laughs> so, well, I mean, now you know it's the Luke that tried to kill Kylo. Yeah, yeah. Now I know. My thought was, yeah. first of all, when they were doing all that, I'm like, they're not going to make Luke that powerful. You know, is he really force repelling all of these blasts? And I was, so that was really what yeah, I was focused on. Yeah, I guess on. that makes sense now. Yeah, and when he stepped out, I was like, "Oh, come and on!" He's not even covered in dust. I'm like, I'm "Like, okay, he's not that powerful now." Again, going back to some of the extended universe stuff that's gone now. You know, I've there was a whole game where a force user ripped a store a star destroyer out of the sky. Oh, force unleashed! That was awesome. Yeah, and it was a super cool scene. But you're like, okay, what can't force users do? You're adding too much mythology. So that's kind of where I was a little soured on that. And then when it turned out that it wasn't him. My my only thought was, I was kind of playing back in my mind before the reveal was that, oh, wow, Luke hasn't even parried any of Kylo Ren's lunges. He's just kind of jumped out of the way. I'm like, that's kind of interesting. Well, he's just toying with him. Is he going to eventually just let him hit him? And then, of course, what actually happened was he wasn't really yeah. there. So right. I didn't kind of well, take that even... thought any further than that. Yeah, my, my thought as the battle was going on was simply that he was trying to postpone or he was trying to delay Kylo Ren. Mm-hmm. I got that. And, yeah. And, and, and that was, that was what I thought as that battle was going on, which was why Luke wasn't striking or opening himself up to any strikes. And then I, I didn't actually get that he was a force projection until Kylo kind of poked his, I was like, Oh, I'm an idiot. But oh, no, I, yeah, fully. That was all me right there. Yeah, but yeah, I, I, and I was like, okay, now I and and immediately I thought back to the scene where he stepped out from the blaster fire, and I'm like, oh, now I'm okay with that. That's okay. That's <laughs> all right, pretty much my thought process as well. And that pretty much leads to the end, where the the last remaining members of the resistance escape, which there's not many of them left, like ten, ten, fifteen, maybe. Yeah, a handful. They escape due to following some foxes 
some crystallized foxes through um, the back of this cave that they're in or this old base that they're in. I can't wait for that Pokemon to come out. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to catch the hell out of that thing. Uh, hell yeah. They're called Vulptex, by the way. And one of the, oh, wow. That's one so of the Pokemon. Creatures. That sounds like a Pokemon. It does. It does. A Vulptex. Jeez. And followed them out through the cave. You know, it's you see that in virtually every one of, uh, at least every one of the cartoons my kid watches where there's someone like, they'll be trapped in a cave. Actually, they just did it with the DuckTales where they're like, how do we get out? It's like, oh, well, there's water leaking in through here. Let's go that way. So these foxes are going somewhere. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. DuckTales. There we go. It was a little cliche in that case. You know, they had to, they had to have some way to escape. But, you know, it's, it does kind of leave you with that Empire feeling of like, well, they talk about there being still hope in the galaxy, but there's not a lot of people left to, to help fight Kylo Ren, who is now, of course, the new big bad. Yeah. Okay, so... This is where I say, who are the allies? I guess we'll find out because unless the movie jumps, you know, 50 years into the future, we they showed three kids being part of the resistance. Well, you know, the, but kind then, of the new generation. I, I don't think that was I don't think that was necessarily all of them. I think that scene was just to show that, no, the resistance is actually not alone. There are others out there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would agree. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, I, I'm not saying that that, you know, that. Those three kids, that's it. That's all they got. No, I, I think that scene was just to show that they're not alone. There are others mm-hmm. out there who will join the fight. I got you. I would agree with that. I, I think that's a good way to look at that. And there are other allies often in other, other uncharted areas of space as well that just – they didn't come to help Leia in this chase thing because yeah. it was mentioned. But they're out there somewhere. So – that's that's where it ends. Oh, but I do want to ask what you thought of the lightsaber, the actual lightsaber duel scene with uh, Kylo and um, Rey, th- where they fought the uh, Emperor's guards. Because I, I actually thought that was a pretty good fight. It was a great. Scene. Yeah, fight scene. I, I liked that. I thought that was really. It reminded me of Kill Bill with a red background. Uh, so I really liked kind mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. the uh, go back to that. Um, yeah, I mean, it was probably one of my favorite lightsaber fights, actually. Of, yeah. of all the movies we've seen so far, including prequels, um, I was captivated. It was something new. I, I love the Praetorian guards or Praetorian. I'm not sure I'm saying that right. How it introduced, you know, a new level of weaponry that yeah. we haven't seen before. Um, I like the fact that we finally saw characters dressed in all red actually do something as opposed to in Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. The Imperial guards <laughs> yeah. just kind of stood there passively while <laughs> Darth Vader tossed the Emperor off the, <laughs> I mean, they were outside of the door, but still, they never did anything. I... I thought it was dope. I I was cheering internally, um, but I was also kind of like, "How many weapons are they skilled in? Like, why do they all have different weapons? You know, the the segmented sword. I don't know. It made uh, for a really to good sell toys, to sell merchandise. Uh, okay, well, but, but they weren't they weren't necessarily all skilled in each weapon. They each had their own weapon that they were skilled in. Well, that like I have questions. Yeah, I mean, like, where did they come? What was their training like? Like, uh, I, I can definitely, I can fight. say without saying too much that like there, there's going to be toys of each different weapon and guard. You know, I, I'm not going to complain about different weapons. I think it's time we see more than a blaster. I liked that they gave the stormtroopers a new weapon last movie. Um, so having an elite thing. force that's all trained with different weapons, sure. They have laser swords in this movie. Like they can have different <laughs> weapons. That, that doesn't. That's I can't pick a bone there. As as Luke called the lightsaber a laser sword. Yeah. 
Merchandising, merchandising. Well, that's what it was in the original script. They were going to call it Laser Swords. So I actually yeah. like that that was kind of a, a, a callback to George Lucas's original vision. I like the, the lightsaber activation kills, which they've done. They did a bunch of those in this one. Those were pretty. I mean, they hinted at it with the Porgs. Sorry. I know. I'm very porg centric, but they hinted at it with that when the Luke threw his lightsaber and the one porg was kind of sniffing at the end of the lightsaber and the other one was like hopping around on the activation switch. Oh, I wish it. Oh, that would have been awesome, mm-hmm. but nah, missed opportunity. You're, you're a bad person, Megan. You and Chewbacca. You know, that's fine. <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. But then, of course, they <laughs> have the, the Snoke kill activation and then the really awesome one, especially timing wise and editing wise, was the, the toss of the lightsaber where it gets caught and then activated through the last Praetorian guard's face. Yeah, that was cool. That yeah, was that was awesome. Um, I'd love to talk about BB-8 for a second and just uh, how they're kind of evolving robots in the franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Tell okay, me so- about my little round, <laughs> lovable orange friend. So um, I thought something that was successful in the older uh, movies and even the prequels was, you know, robots are ro- robots. They all have limitations. Um C-3PO, you know, he could translate some languages, but if he fell apart, he had to be carried. And even R2, who was a little more special, like he could wire ships and carry files and do hacking, but if he got short-circuited, he was kind of out. And all Um, those little panels flipped open. Yeah, yeah, you know. BB-8, though, like, I get he's special, but he, he can do everything. And this movie was just like, it took it from being like, oh, cool, BB-8, who's like the new R2, to like, why aren't there armies of BB-8s annihilating the world? Um, he can pilot ships. He can pilot robots. He has a lighter. He can be a coin slot. I don't <laughs> even know how the coins can like roll around inside of him because he has mechanics. So I thought that was very weird. He can take down an entire room full of elite security guards. He can, yeah, he can coins. He can tie up stormtroopers. I don't know where the rope's from. He can hack bases, he can carry files, he can fight enemies, he can project images, he can put himself back together, he can reattach his own head, he yeah. has grapple hooks, <laughs> he has grapple hooks that come out of every every part of his body, like every every angle he has a grapple hook, and he has a sense of humor. <laughs> You're so right. Like how uh, insane. That's more accomplished. I don't know if you mentioned he, he can repair a X-Wing Oh, yeah, he can repair uh, well, shit like during a ba- during a battle. Jamming his head, head on it into the panel. Um, this is I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this when they were sneaking into the base mm-hmm. um, as stormtroopers and they had BB-8 like underneath of a like a trash can lid, and uh, the little the other droid rolled in. My girlfriend goes, "Oh, great! It's the little evil one." <laughs> and I was like, what? I, I didn't hear her at first. And she was like, oh, yeah, it's a little evil BB-8. I lost my mind at a completely inappropriate time in the movie. I was <laughs> They referred to that one on mind. set as BB-Hate. BB-Hate. Oh, that's that great. Funny. But, I, I mean, if, if there's a robot that's able to do all of these things, why don't we just make more of those robots? Like, it's obviously able to do everything the Rebels can't do. Well, I think that's lazy writing. Yeah. Yeah. When uh, and I know what you're talking about, Megan. When he kind of came unglued, when his head became separated from his body, and then he just like magnetically pulled his head back <laughs> onto his body. Yeah, yeah, it was like okay. Yeah, it was just. I mean, I thought it was weak writing, like him piloting the robot at the end and saving everybody. I was like, really? Is this really happening right now? Like not flying a ship in and then boarding the ship and taking off. Like actually like fighting in a robot, piloting the robot, yeah. and shooting with the robot. 
I was like, cool, but at the same time, okay. Like, I want to push the I want to push the plot along, but I don't want to think about how I'm going to push the plot along. Let's just make BBA do it. Yeah. And like obviously he's sentient enough to know like, oh, my friends are in trouble and I need to think of a way to help them, which like we've we've never seen a robot to that level before. Like R2 like had some some ideas to get around and like C3PO as well, but like this is like a fully conscious he like gets he gets humor, he gets jokes, he can do thumbs up like you know, maybe he's a Jedi at this point. Like, I think R2 was pretty much always under command. Like, R2, see if you can stop this trash compactor. It wasn't like... That's a good point. R2, it wasn't like, R2, you go do whatever you have to do and make sure that you save us if we need help. Like, it yeah. was never that. There was always a specific command. I mean, even the, launching the lightsaber to Luke, there was a cue for him to do it. So he was not a artificial intelligence as much as yeah. BB-8. Like, yeah, I'll take care of this on my own. You guys do whatever you got to do. I'm going to go pilot this ATSD. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, it, I'd be hard pressed to say that I've ever met a human as accomplished as BB-8. Now, Megan, I know you hate porgs. Uh, I hate porgs. I, I, <laughs> I happen to be a fan of them. And there's, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. And also I will tell you a little bit of an anecdote about them. I was, of course, the porgs, they're, they were very heavily featured in the marketing. They're cute little half puffin, half pug, half seal creatures. Uh, I found out today the reason that they're in the movie is because when they filmed the movie on that island, the Luke portions of the, the movie, uh, it was puffin nesting season and there were literally puffins everywhere and they could, they did tests to see, well, if I remove the puffins, how much is it going to cost in post? Or if I just create other creatures that kind of mask them out poorly. Well, no, I mean, you didn't see any puffins, but they masked them out. <sighs> how much is that going to cost? I, so I have to think that with that budget and how much they expected to make that they could have taken them out or just take, you know, half of them out and then leave the other ones in like a nice balanced way. I was very excited verbally whenever the per the porg was on the screen. I, I did squeal a little. I will admit it. <laughs> um, okay. The part where, you know, Chewbacca was going into battle and had the, the porg on the, the dashboard and Chewbacca did his war scream and the little porg did his war scream was really cute. See, I agree with that. No, the one where the porg, when they make the abrupt turn and it gets smashed against the window, does remind me of the porg I have suction cup to the side of my car. Oh, gosh. He totally does. <laughs> it's true. And also after I saw the movie, this is kind of a funny conversation between me and my wife. I was explain I was saying how Chewbacca is kind of dead to me now, have, having roasted some porgs. And then the little sad porg face looking up at him, and I was like, yeah, Chewbacca's dead to me. And I said this as I was tearing into a rotisserie chicken, and she's looking at me as I'm like, I don't believe Chewbacca would eat these cute little birds. And she's like, dude. And you're like, these aren't cute. Kind of said that. You're not cute. She's like, your other favorite character this year was Hey Hey. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> you and your logic. Stop bringing your logic into it. <laughs> anyway, that that's my, my porg thing. I like them. I know they serve very little point other than to mask out some puffins, but I thought they were cute. And sell merchandise. And sell merchandise. Yes. But that's an excellent transition, Greg, because our give me five question for today is going huh? to be, what are your top five Star Wars moments? So being that the uh, the Porgs are absolutely adorable and printed themselves on your memory, do you want to go ahead and give us your five? Uh, usually, we usually make the guest go first. Oh, and, and 
Actually, we probably should. I have I to was, go first. Yep. I was just going along oh, with gosh. it. We go five, and we go five to one, which most people do. So. Okay. Oh wait. So. Oh, they were okay. I did them not in order of of awesome, just in order. I of, never go in order. So. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm not going in order. So. Haha. Okay. Um, okay. So. The first Star Wars moment that impacted my life would probably have been the first mission to destroy the Death Star when uh, Luke's like flying through the tunnels and uh, he like closes his eyes and then makes that shot. That was like the first moment I was just like, whoa, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And great shot, kid. That was one in a million. (laughs) Right. Um, I remember going to Disney as a kid after that and writing Star Tours and feeling like the biggest like badass. Uh, during that specific replay. Um, nice. So that was probably my first. Um, I, you know, I'm a sucker for Han Solo. I, I, I love pretty much anything Harrison Ford did between 1974 and like 1989. Uh, so uh, the Han Solo getting lowered into carbonite chamber, um, that moment when uh, Leia tells him, I love you. And he says, I know I remember as a child sobbing because I thought he was like not coming back. And like, yeah. I, I was just, just why they did that. Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I lost it. It was a powerful moment. And if I'm not mistaken, that, that part was totally written by Harrison Ford. He came up <laughs> with the, I know it was ad libbed. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. That's awesome. Uh, third for me would be, um, the Rancor fight scene was awesome. Uh, that was episode six. Um, yep. I loved that. I loved the Rancor trainer sobbing over <laughs> over the death. Um, pretty much everything with the Jabba Palace. That actually affected me as a kid. Like, I remember being really actually kind of... bad. I felt bad about it. I felt bad. And, like, the whole time I was rooting for, obviously, Luke to win. Um, and then at the end when he came over and was crying over the Rancor, I was like, aw. And then also, you know... Um, I would say the same. I would count that as the same scene of like when Leia is actually strangling Jabba to death. Um, they're having the huge fight in the desert. Um, like that kind of is all one big favorite moment. Um, and then mm-hmm. I have two recent ones. I, I, I love the ending of Rogue One when Jen Erso is so sitting good. on the beach and the world's about to, to blow up. And like it wasn't any romantic moment. It wasn't any like forced anything like she just is told you know your dad would be so proud of you and i'm just like oh my god uh it's just that's the spirit of star wars to me is like everything that jen urso kind of stood for and like you know she saved the world and like she's watching this world just collapse and like die and like uh as a it's a perfect star wars moment and um and last jedi i i also had similar feels when um when Luke became one with the force and he's looking over at the, the gorgeous golden orange sky and there's the two suns. And it's like that throwback to being on Tatooine and like wondering what else is out there. And like now he knows what else is out there and he's becoming part of the out there. So I loved it. I thought that was a great full circle and a good ending to Luke. Um, so I think those are my top five. Nice. Excellent. Thanks. Nice. I also do think that means we'll probably see Luke again in ghost form. Oh yeah, more than I, likely. I, I, I am pretty positive that we will be seeing Luke training as a projected force uh, ghost next film. 
Piss off, ghost. Force ghost, coast to coast. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll go next um, in no particular order because that's what I do. Um, My number five, well, count them down. Uh, Luke raises the X-Wing, which we did see in The Last Jedi underneath the waves. Very cool. The trash compactor scene. The trash okay. compactor scene is awesome. Love that. Yeah. I, Something just, touched my leg. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how, how so many things were happening inside that very small space was just – that's always a part I look forward to watching the movie over and over again. Um, it's a small scene in a big movie, and it's great. And I remember that was the one scene I used yeah. to play with my toys over and over and over again, more so than the space right. battles and the loop Vader and it just was. So one of Megan's favorite moments was when Han was being lowered into the carbonite. One of my favorite moments is when Han is freed from carbonite by a disguised Leia Organa. I just thought Luke coming out of the car. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Han coming out of the carbonite and being all cold and vulnerable and, you know, immediately thrown back in jail and, and reunited with Chewbacca was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number two uh, going down the list is actually from the uh, latest trilogy before the one that we started is when Yoda fights the late great Sir Christopher Lee, um, who also played Saruman and was in a heavy metal band. Hmm. Did not know that. It, you should check it out. Christopher uh, later, awesome. Christopher Lee. Fantastic. But the buildup where, you know, Yoda actually comes out to fight and you finally get to see his powers was just fantastic. That shot of Yoda's, like, arm from the set, the close-up shot of the back of Yoda where the lightsaber it goes into his hand. Mm-hmm. Right shot and then him bouncing around like a crazy person. Oh, that was yep. awesome. And the Battle of Hoth when the pilots realize that they can use their tow ropes to wrap around the AT-ATs. Uh, it was a moment captured on Rogue Squadron for the GameCube that I alluded to earlier. That was a total stand up and cheer, you know, five, six year old Jimmy moment. <laughs> so nice. Those are my five. Nice. Yeah, I, will go next. I will go next. Go for it. Uh, my number five, of course, is also the Hoth battle. That probably would have been up higher because as a kid, that was another one of those scenes I used to play all over and over again outside in the snow when I lived up north. But it was just the fact of watching these people that seemed so powerful right at the beginning get completely and utterly overwhelmed and have to make an escape. Um, it was just a, it was cool. Of course, the walkers and the, the speeders and all that, it just was great. Um, it got bumped down a little bit because I've had to, it, it gets reenacted so many times in the video games and everything that it's, it's lost a little bit of its luster, although not all of it, obviously. Um, I really liked the lightsaber flying um, past Finn or into Ray's hand in Force Awakens. Um, I thought that scene oh, was yeah. really empowering. Um, I thought it was well done. It was well because you thought it was going to go to Finn, and then yeah, and, oh, and yeah, there's surprise. a whole situation. It just it was edited right, and it was it just was a really cool scene, and it was a stand up and cheer kind of scene. So that yep. was one of the newer ones for me. Uh, the end of Rogue One, where with the dark hallway. And the lightsaber, Darth Vader's lightsaber igniting, that did a bunch of things for me. First of all, you're going to hear me talk about that same scene from the other side of it again. 
but it reminded me what a badass Darth Vader actually is because you kind of forgot for me at least because yeah well you you never actually see it until then like because because the fighting was just so was just so blah back then mm-hmm. that you never really got the impression of how awesomely powerful Darth Vader actually was yeah because it was either force choke someone or kill someone that actually is letting you kill them in the star- in the early Star Wars movies in Rogue One it was I mean he tore through everybody yeah and seeing it from that side as well as everything else going on like and I mean also seeing that scene where with you know Leia being there and literally while I was sitting in the movie five minutes before that part I got the notification on my phone that Carrie Fisher had died so it was like whoa it was kind of jarring seeing her digitally recreated but anyway um, the it's a trap moment with I know it's kind of a meme the it's a trap thing but it's not so much that part it's the maneuvers that the big lumbering ships have to take to get out of the way and the star destroyers coming in and then all of the tie fighters whipping around everything and it's just the the size differential between the big ships and the little ships and how they're moving it's just like that scene for years every time i got surround sound or a dvd player or you know a new vhs player and then a new laser disc or whatever that was always the scene i went to to test the stuff out and then revisiting it, the opening of Star Wars New Hope, that's the first thing I saw. Um, I think that is a masterful scene. And I think that Lucas kind of accidentally did it because you learn everything you need to learn about those movies just in that scene. That the Empire is so big and so evil and so outsized. And that mm-hmm. the rebels are ragtag. They're in a little tiny ship. They're running away. They're completely out overpowered. You know that Darth Vader is evil. You know that Princess Leia is good just by the way they're dressed. And, you, and you know, there's... It just it has everything. It has a, a you know regular battle, it has a space battle, it has all that stuff all wrapped up in one, and it really I mean opened the door for the entire trilogy. So that's my number one or the entire series, nice. not just trilogy. It's a good number one. Yeah. Nice. Well, I'll go ahead and give you my five. Um, and this was this I, I did have a little bit of trouble with this because paring it down, I, I thought of a couple of scenes right off, and then I had to refresh my memory. So I'm looking up other scenes, and I'm like, oh god, that was a good scene. Oh man, that was a great scene. Crap. So I mean, I had a couple of honorable mentions. I mean, because there were several things that I was just really looking forward to seeing. Three I, of his know, scenes have Jabber Binks in them. I'm just letting you know. <laughs> Three of them. Absolutely, absolutely. He's my favorite. No, he is the devil. I hate Jar Jar. Anyway. Um, <laughs> But ever since the inception of Star Wars, I had wanted to see, wanted to see like a big Jedi battle, and and I finally got to see that when all of the Jedi in and this isn't one of them. This was just like one of my honorable mentions. But you know that that scene where all of the Jedi are like in that arena on that planet I in the prequel. That one too. That's a good scene. Um, I I loved I loved that scene, getting to see all the Jedi on the battlefield fighting and all of that stuff. But it actually didn't make my five along with the. Um, the Leia taking out Jabba. That was another one that I was like, oh man, that's that's just such a great scene. Because um, there's so much good Jar Jar content for him. Absolutely, absolutely. But I, I probably have to start the list with my number five. And it's, it's one that, that it's shown up more than once. You see it in every movie, but you, you kind of get a little giddy every time that music hits and the rolling credits start to go, or the, the opening credit gotcha. roll. You know what I'm talking yep. about? Just Girl. just that scene alone, you know, it's oh, I I love it on every movie, and and you don't know before before that credit rolls that the movie's gonna suck or that the movie's gonna be great, but you're just so excited to see mm-hmm. it, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so that's my number five. My um my number four is probably gonna be Vader's Return. 
the the return of Vader to the good. Um, you can, as as the Emperor is electrocuting Luke with his Force lightning, you can you can look at Vader's mask and you can tell what he's thinking. And it's just such mm. such a poignant scene where you're like, "That's True. my." He's like, "That's my son." What is he doing? I I can't let this happen. And he picks up the Emperor and he throws him over the railing. I mean, the the throwing over the railing was kind of eh, but you know, it, 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 they were working with what they could at that at that point mm-hmm. in time. But that's that's probably my number four. My number three scene is one that people don't really. I, I honestly believe that the way that the 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 episodes are set up now, people don't get it the way that we got it when we saw the movies. Because by the time they get to this scene, everybody already knows. So they don't get the realization that Darth Vader is Luke's father. Yeah. The the bit the big reveal from Empire of Darth Vader being Luke's father for me was one of the big scenes. It was yeah. like, oh, what? Yeah. And and people don't get that anymore because if you watch the episodes one, two, three, you already know that Vader is Luke's well, father. Well, I'll tell you that I mentioned this earlier, but my son, he's four, he's never seen the movies. He already knows it. Mm-hmm. He already knows it. Yeah. And really? So, which it was something. So that's kind of spoiled for a lot of people. I didn't tell him. That's he knows it because of the shirts at Disney, the little cute ones with the little like cute characters that say, I'm your father, whatever. I'm your yeah. father. Yeah. Oh, boo. Which is funny because he can't really read, but I think he just kind of figured it out. And like when we were, we were playing around having a lightsaber battle and he, I was like, well, I'm your dad. He's like, yeah, like Darth Vader is Luke's dad. And I was like, how do you know that? He's like, I, he's uh, like, I know. I'm like, I'm like, that's uh, yeah. like you should probably forget. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's so disappointing that, that people today don't act. People who are just now being introduced to star Wars don't get that anymore because that is such a great scene. Yeah. And, and just, just the emotional reaction from Luke. And I know, I know they caught a lot of crap about it because you know, at the time people were like, Oh, it's overacted, but no, it was, it was actually just a gut wrenching reaction from Luke. And it was such a great scene. And it's really just a shame that people don't get that anymore. Um, my number two is going to be, is Jimmy already hit on it, but it's the, um, it's the Yoda lightsaber duel. Both actually, both of them, the one with, um, Count Dooku and then the one with the Emperor, because people had been clamoring to see Yoda pick up a lightsaber and they hinted at it. They played with it. Is he going to do it? Is he not going to do it? And then the scene where the saber floats to Yoda's hand. I remember I was sitting in the theater and people in the theater actually were going, oh, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. It was like, oh, my God, people were so excited for this scene. And and it was one of the ones that just really stands out. I mean, the 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 prequels were such crap, but there were there were occasionally good scenes here and there. And and that was one of them. And that was one that stands out. It made my number two. Yeah, they actually put um, Yoda as a playable character in Soul Calibur 4. Oh, I didn't know that. That's oh, awesome. Wow. Yeah, they put... He was in the Xbox version, and in the PlayStation version, Darth Vader was actually yeah. a playable character. Sweet. Nice. So my number one, my no- I, I was kind of disappointed that somebody grabbed it because Greg already mentioned it, but my number one scene has got to be the Darth Vader entrance from Rogue One. They did such an excellent job at, at the end of the movie. Um they did such an excellent job setting up the ominous feel of that 
and with the lighting and everything, and then his lightsaber ignites. I kid you not, I was sitting in the theater and I felt the dread that the that the rebel soldiers felt when they saw that lights. And and I actually sat there and went, "Oh shit!" <laughs> it was like it was like, "Oh my god!" It was such a great and powerful scene. And going back and watching it, I saw a couple of things that I'd never seen before. Like he floats one guy up to the roof and then just swings his lightsaber up and cuts the dude in half. I'm like, "Oh my <laughs> yeah. god!" And it was just, I think, it was just such. I- an obscene display of power and you up until that point you know Darth Vader was Darth Vader everybody feared him because he was Darth Vader but you never really saw why people feared Darth Vader this scene right here that scene was why people were afraid of Darth Vader yeah because yeah it was so obscenely powerful and he could do but stuff it wasn't like unbelievable that. and it was like some of the other right. shows of power uh, my stomach actually turned a bit when you started describing it. I think dread is the perfect word. It, it was it was just oh, just such a powerful scene, and that's that had to be why it was. Yeah, like I one. think of that one guy that's trying to get his arm through the door to like pass off the the data cube or whatever, and like just the look of panic mm-hmm. on his mm-hmm. face, and then what happens behind him, and it's like oh. <laughs> And and you're you're sitting there in you're sitting there watching it going go 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 <laughs> what are you doing run <laughs> exactly. So yeah. I think it's very telling that we had, you know, what, 20 options, 20 options and no one, we only did a few that were duplicates. It just goes to show the power of those movies that there's so many good mo- yeah. moments and so many, I don't want to say historic moments, but, you know, memorable moments. So. Yeah. And, but and also interesting, the ones we had in common. Right. Well, and the other thing is, is I, I actually talked to Greg earlier and I was like, look, I'm going through these scenes and I'm like, I have to go with ones that actually meant something to me because none of the none of the really memorable scenes or the often quoted scenes were actually, in, you know, like the these aren't the droids you're looking for, you know, the that that kind of stuff or the do or do not. There is no try. You know, the, the those really memorable scenes actually weren't in my top five because those weren't the ones that actually elicited the emotions mm-hmm. from me. And and I was like, I can't go with the well known scenes. I've got to do the ones that actually that actually even the ones that are important to the whole scene so. in the movie, like the Death Star is blowing up. Like they weren't in any yeah. of this, but they're arguably the most important parts, at least for each movie. But that takes us to the end. First of all, thank you, Megan. Yeah, thank you for having thank me. Thank you, Megan. It was so much fun. We're glad you could join us. It was awesome, and you are of course welcome back anytime that you'd like to vent about uh, small flightless birds. Oh gosh, I had so much more to say about this movie too. So maybe another. So time. did did we did we actually rate the movie? I don't think so. No. Oh. <laughs> where where do you guys feel that it fell amongst all of the other ones? Ugh. Yeah. Have center. I don't. I don't have an actual rating, but kind of dead center. I, I need center. To, I need to see. It. I need to see it again. Yeah, low on the on the rating scale. I, I'd say higher than the prequels. Definitely below the original. Um, and beneath Rogue One for sure, and I actually liked Force Agreed. Awakens a little bit more. So I'd say it's like right beneath uh, original, then Rogue One, and yeah, then Force see, Awakens, I, and then this. I I think we agree in that it, it definitely is above the prequels because the prequels were all just crap. Yeah. Um, it, it's definitely above the prequels for me though. I actually really enjoyed this one, and I liked it much better than Force Awakens. Um, this one, this one, I would pro I. Because the the top two to me are the original Star Wars and Empire. Empire is, Empire the best. is my Star favorite Wars as well. Right yeah, for sure. And but 
Um, I would put it on par or a little bit higher than Jedi and right around where Rogue One is. I, re- I really enjoyed Rogue One. Rogue One, I-, I would probably put a little bit higher, but this one was definitely above Force Awakens. Okay, cool. All right. I think I go, my top ones are, are Empire and Rogue One. Um, yeah. I like Jedi more than a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. I know some people have complaints about Ewoks and stuff like that, and I'm, I'm not a big, I don't have a big deal with that. Um, so I'd probably put like, you know, Empire, Rogue One, Jedi, Force Awakens, original Star Wars, this one, and then the prequels, I'm guessing. But that could change any moment, honestly. Like, it really depends on what mood I'm in and what, mm-hmm. what scenes I'm thinking of. Right. So, yeah. Fair enough. Cool. And there you have our yep. review. So, <laughs> Rob, give them some contact information. Let them know where they can complain to us or about us. Well, as as always, you can reach us on Instagram and Twitter at GiveMe5Pod. You can also email us all of your hate mail or all of your love mail. GiveMe5Podcast at gmail.com. Send us, send us your five list and let us know which scenes really stand out for you. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll even read some of them if we can, if we can get you all to send us something. Um, and please, please, it really helps us stand out. Give us a review on whatever podcast provider you're using. And let us know what you think of our show. Like I said, it really helps us stand out. And remember, that's F-I-V-E, not the number five. Awesome. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Thanks, guys. See you next time. Probably so young I didn't understand what was going on. What the hell is is, all that noise? (laughs) What is going on? Why do you keep triggering the sound effects? Is this a sad moment? Have we been replaced by a piano? Greg is no longer with us. We are now melancholy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm picturing like some kind of herpes medication commercial. I have no idea. What is what is going on? Like, Why did I you do that? that on purpose? I dripped some water on my keyboard and went to wipe it off, and it, <laughs> it activated the, the sound effect for whatever reason. Oh my gosh, that was funny! Wow, I was like, "This isn't sad." That was funny. If you're experiencing symptoms, contact your doctor right away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So um, I apologize about that. We need to have Megan as a regular contributor. Yeah. Um, but here I am, you know, still still about it. Uh, ride or die, you know, like DMX said. Um, I think it was DMX. I don't know. <laughs>